Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with small town girls who are living in a lonely world. I'm Adrian, as always, here with my co-host Paul. Let's get big factin'. Let's get no cappin'. Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap So, Paul, you're making your girlfriend hang out in the same room as you while you podcast with your friend instead of hanging out with her. No, I'm not making her hang out in the room with me. She's choosing to be in the room while I podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Izzy, blink twice if you want to get out of there. <laughs> and she can't hear you, can which hear is you. good. You can, Wait, hear can she hear me? Oh. Now she's blinking a lot, way more than twice. I don't think she understood the request. <laughs> <laughs> no, it means that she really wants to get out of there. She does it a lot. <laughs> twice is just the threshold. No cap. So, a small town girl? That's interesting, Adrian, because... You know me, I'm a city boy. Ooh, you're not a city girl? No, unless we're talking about the sex and the city girls that I am, yes. I'm I'm a Miranda. And a big. And uh and Angie? <laughs> Is there an Angie? No, I don't think so. Okay, so you're a Miranda Cosgrove and a big from Robin Big? <laughs> yes, uh I'm big from the movie Big where I Wake up the next day, an adult. After and you um, sleep with an adult woman, even though she kind of gets the gist that you're a child. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool like that. You little horn dog. Shout out to Big. He had to be spitting some crazy game to get with an adult woman when she knew he had the child of a mind. Shout out the child of a mind. The mind of a child. <laughs> you know, it's even harder when you have the mind of Mencia like me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Wait, the mind of Mencia? Is that just being Ari Shafir? Go on now. Is that, uh... That's Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. No cap. I uh, I saw my endocrinologist last week, and it was uh, maybe the smoothest I've ever had an appointment go. It was uh, all, you know, everything checked out. Um, so that was fine. But he always asks me when I'm going to graduate. And I've like, for the last three years, I think I've told him like a year from now, probably. He's like my dad and like a couple of other people in my life who just get that. It's that that's me. I keep wondering like how I've asked you like for so many years now. My mom's like, so what's Adrian up to? And I'm like, I think he's about a year away from graduating. <laughs> <laughs> Even through the grapevine, <laughs> grape everyone's just like, yeah, he's got like a year left. <laughs> Although I do like that question from your uh, doctor as if, like, what next is he could ask you what grade you're in? That's kind of how it goes. I think it's part of, like, how he was trained in bedside manner. Ah, uh, <laughs> bedside manner. <laughs> I don't know. That makes it sound like you're dying. I mean, you watch Scrubs, right? That's literally just the term for, like, how you re- interact with patients. To a layman like me. To a layman like you? I wouldn't use enablers or like that, but... Adrian, purposefully misconstruing what I'm saying... Doesn't make you any better right, than me. It feels like I'm right. That was pitch number one for the name of this podcast. It feels like I'm right. <laughs> that actually wouldn't be bad. 
Um, the third one was going to be, let's pick it back up. It's a recap podcast of let's just drop it. <laughs> let's pick it back up from where we left off. <laughs> the other thing that I was going to mention about that is I'm back to teaching the introductory biology lab, which uh, is a three hour block of time for each section. So normally I get by with teaching without telling my students about my medical device. But this time I was like, you guys are almost going to certainly hear some boops and beeps from me during the, our time together. So that's just a heads up on what that is. And I'm not part robot. I'm not a freak of nature. I'm not a monstrosity walking among men. That is what I put on the slide, though. Is like sometimes my body makes some beeps and boops. <laughs> I'm not some sort of Frankenstein-esque monster walking among humans. It's completely normal. I think I told you this, but on my first section, I didn't do the extra, here's some pictures of me as a kid and where I grew up and my undergrad and my current research and like the actual projects that I've done. But I did it for my second group and they were actually very engaged. They were asking me a lot of questions about my research afterwards. Mm. And I was like, sorry for y'all. I'm not taking volunteers anymore, but I'm glad you guys think it's cool. That is a benefit of the type of work you do, right? You're not doing like tensile strengths of materials or something like that, that people are going to snooze through. People think what you're doing is kind of cool and interesting and want to talk about it. I mean, I, you know, uh, I told you before that I went to um, the, you know, competition for grad students across the UC, but first you do it at each campus, um, where you do three minutes, you get to talk about your research, and a panel of judges decides if it's good or not. And two of the people in my grad group made it to the top 10 across the campus, because I think we're kind of poised to do well at those things. Like, people just like hearing people talk about animals. Mm. Not that they're not great people, also, and great scientists or whatever, but... I mean, Alina had that fucking puppet, dude. It was it was killer. <laughs> it was a good-ass talk. Yeah, anyways, those were my uh, insulin pump stories from this week. I did have some other stories from this week that if, if you want to chop them up a little bit. Yeah, what's going on? How's your week been? Um, Pretty good. First week of classes, so kind of, like, pretty easy workload. Um, Didn't have to stay for the full three hours for either lab, so that was good. Uh, So kind of, like, a lot of getting things done and stuff like that and prepping for the next weeks but um uh on friday i went to a bar to go watch a soccer game not gonna bring it in adam if you want to make fun of me feel free to text me we did tie empoli in a very boring zero zero match but the highlight of that no wait adam feel free to text me and i'll let adrian know oh yeah it's true you never text me directly you're too much of a coward (laughs) oh (laughs) damn fighting words um but anyways, when I was at the bar, I had one headphone in so I could listen to the commentary. And at one point I was FaceTiming Phil. Uh, but then I take it out and I notice that there's like not an altercation, but like clearly tense conversation going on. Oh, wait, uh, you told like, me about this. Yeah, this is funny. Yeah, yeah. The guy at the bar had apparently um, and, and he made sure to run it back. So I got to really hear the play by play of how this happened. But he had asked or he inquired about the top shelf liquor. The bartender had said, oh, yes, those are very expensive. Those are our top shelf liquors. And he asked for a shot of uh, like a Pappy Van Winkle red label or something like that. And he was very angry at the bartender because when she told him about the charge for it after she had poured it, it was $150. And my favorite part of the whole thing is that he went through all of Dabda in like the 30 minutes that him and the bartender were arguing (laughs) about stuff like immediately it was like denial he was like no i didn't order that i I ordered a similar thing like two days ago when i came here and it was 55 it wasn't 150 
And then it was just anger, and he was like, "You should, you should have told me the price. It was you did. You said it was expensive. You should have said for this particular bottle, it is this much for a shot." And then it was bargaining, and he was like, "Is there any way I can pay less than the one fifty for the shot?" <laughs> and then it was depression. He literally said, "Like, I just want you to know, you ruined my day." And then it finally it was acceptance, where he was like, "Hey, you know, I don't want to get you in trouble with your boss. You know, I don't. You know, I, we're. I guess we're just gonna have to figure this out some way. But I guess it is what it is. <laughs> just um, all like in r- right through all of Dabda in that order." I, you were texting me and Phil as that happened, and it, it was, I don't know, my first thing that came to mind is I made it so much sadder in my own head that I'm sure it was in person, because in my own head, I just imagined the loneliest guy ever, and he's like, you know what, I'm finally going to go out in public, and I'm going to do something cool today, you know, like, I'm going to be like a cool guy for the first well, time ever. Well, at first you thought it was a guy impressing a girl, which I thought would <laughs> would have been funnier. That would have been funny. I did ask, my first question was, was he with a girl? Please, please, please. I love the idea of that guy going to the bar trying to impress a girl. Give me your finest whiskey. Um, but then I was just imagining the sad guy who's like, I just want to be like one of those guys from the movies. Just want to say something cool. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, just give me your top shelf whiskey. Yeah, that'll... And it's just like, he doesn't get out a lot. He thought he was going to finally say something cool. He tried it out. She brings up the drink. He Practiced realizes- it in the mirror a few times in the bathroom. <laughs> he realized it cost $150. He doesn't have that type of money because, you know, he just works like some regular job. He doesn't really go out that much. I don't know. I just made it so sad in my mind. <laughs> but I'm sure it was just some guy who could afford it, but felt guilty about spending that much money. I don't know. I mean, he did say that a few times. Like he was like, I mean, I could get, I could afford it, but nothing's worth that money. I'll tell you. Wait, what. so he still wanted to be impressive to the waitress? Like he was still trying to get some clout from it? Like, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be yeah. that much to buy this, but I am gonna be a desperate weirdo about having to pay it. I skipped over some of the dialogue, but there were other things like him insisting that she could just pour it back into the bottle. And she was like, <laughs> no, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, it was one and, of those oh, bottles also, with the he was fun playing, stopper. He was, he was playing reverse chess rules. He was like, I haven't touched it yet. That's not mine. You can't <laughs> prove that I ordered that. <laughs> um, no, I think it's just like code of hygiene or like code of like uh, oh, health yeah, and safety yeah, yeah. that you can't pour back liquor into a bottle. Okay, well, at the bar I was planning to start, that's how we were going to save money. That's how we were going to cut down on our margins. At the end of the night, we were going to pour every unfinished drink back into a bottle. Ooh, and then you can order that for five bucks for like a mystery (laughs) shot? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We pour it all into one Gatorade container, and then the next night people can drink from that. (laughs) That's a cool idea. And like you said, I'm sure no health inspector will take issue with this. I mean, that's a super common thing in Bar Rescue, right? Is they would refill uh, fancy bottles with cheaper liquor. Yeah, I think this might be a little different to use half-finished cups, but I nah, think it's equally saying. gross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get Bombay when I'm asking for Tanqueray. A little, little offense. Like, the Indian people probably don't feel that way, but I guess uh, a little imperialist. Uh, you know, decolonize your mind, Adrian. That's all I'm saying. I think they're both British brands. Hmm. Have you ordered this new? <laughs> Finish the thought. <laughs> no, no, no. Baby, baby. Um, is there an Indian company that makes gin? I bet they'd make a really cool gin if they use like Indian spices. Oh, you think it's gonna be like turmeric flavored? I don't know turmeric, but you could definitely do some nice floral uh, things in there, like some coriander. You think it's gonna be like season one of uh, season one of the Great British Baking Show? 
where uh, Parna's whole thing is that she does every bake with, like, uh, extra spices. Um, do I think it's gonna be like that? Based on how you've described it, yeah, I guess so. That That's pretty, yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good description of what I'm saying. I did like how they all had personality traits, and that was her. She always did a Indian spice uh, pivot on the recipe. Mmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, the last challenge on Food Network Star is, uh... You do a pilot, and you have to come up with what your hook is for you as a personality. Oh, got you. Okay, I thought you were going to say the final challenge was to make anything as good as Indian food. Oh. <laughs> They're like, just I'll make when I see a it. single dish as good as an average as the Indian buffet. Last night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as an average Indian buffet in any city. And they're like, fuck, it can't be done. You know, I didn't watch a whole lot of uh, Next Food Network Star, but I do remember the one that I watched, and it was the guy who ended up losing the finale. But uh, his whole thing was like, I'm the spice detective. Every episode, we do something with a new spice. <laughs> That's so stupid. Also very limiting. Does he not care about herbs or other aromatics? What is he, Colonel Sanders? With his <laughs> Colonel Sanders ass? <laughs> He's like, we can't do fennel because that's an herb, not a spice. <laughs> Get it out of here. Get it the fuck out of here. <laughs> but yeah, should we get into the theme? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, should we start by explaining who we stole the theme from? All right, y'all might have heard of this podcast. Let's just drop it. Uh, no, but yeah, uh, Phil's podcast episode two. Who knows if it'll be out by now uh, with Wayne Cousins. Uh, I know that he refuses to accept this label, but funniest comedian in Columbia. Ooh, you know what I did notice watching that episode? And if it's out, you guys might notice this too. He had one of those little wrinkles in his pants that kind of made it look like he had a boner. During the interview. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of a little tiny boner. Yeah, you know. And I think he noticed because like five minutes in, he took his shirt and pulled it over the wrinkle in his pants. Mm. And I was taking notes the whole time. I was like, first off, Phil needs to raise his camera a little so you don't see the top of people's pants. Yeah, um, that's some empty signifier shit right there. And second off, I was like, if I go on the pod, I'm coming in pristine pants. You know what I'm saying? My pants Perfectly ain't gonna, pants. They're got, gonna have a wrinkle in sight. I'm not gonna let that humiliating shit happen to me. And I'm gonna wear a, a, a knee patch that says my eyes are up here. <laughs> what you're telling me is that the funniest comedian in Colombia doesn't have any media training yet. But yeah, shout out Wayne Cousins, funny episode. But in the episode, they talk about whose song is it? I, I've forgotten. John Cougar Mellencamp? Yeah, they talk about his song, John Cougar uh, John Did Cougar. you listen to the episode? They talk about it and say it like a hundred <laughs> times. <laughs> I forgot the middle name. Uh, uh, John Mellencamp. Let's just skip that middle name. I'm, I'm an adult. I'm not going to call somebody by their middle name Cougar. They talk about John Mellencamp's song, Small Towns, and they're riffing about how funny it is, how often he says small towns. I was like, oh, let me take a look. So I Google the song. You know, I don't know. It wasn't. Uh, I'm not from this country, Adrian. I don't know all y'all's music. I also didn't know this song, and also have still not listened to it. And it is as funny as they claim in that episode. They really do say small town at the end of every line. They, <laughs> the whole song is about small town. It's called a motif, Paul. You know for sure I've been listening to all that hip-hop where they rhyme the N-word with the N-word. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Can't now. rhyme one word with itself? That doesn't work. Counterpoint to people who say stuff like that. I contend that it works better than any other rhyme. It's the perfect rhyme. It rhymes perfectly. <laughs> Every syllable matches exactly the same. 
Nothing rhymes better with a word than itself. Damn. Schooled. But yeah, small towns, Adrian. That's our theme for the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything to say off top? Uh, have you been to a lot of small towns? What are we defining as a small town here? Uh, we grew Less up in Lexington. 5,000 people. So Lexington was not a small town. We were a mid-sized to big town. I think that's true. I think you would call, like, Batesburg-Leesville a small town. Yeah, Batesburg-Leesville is like a, that's like a dot. I mean, you put two of them things together and it's still small. Oh, yeah. Do you ever do that thing where you're driving to Myrtle Beach and you stop by Tuberville, South Carolina? You know, I haven't driven to Myrtle Beach myself. That was a place I went as a kid. Oh, okay, okay. So you weren't doing that thing where you're sitting on your mom's lap and, like, pressing the pedals? Or doing the steering while she pressed the pedals? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but she had to do- take that away from me because I kept trying to go into oncoming traffic. I was like, man, this life is all pain, mom. <laughs> She's like, you're seven. What could possibly be going on right now? Uh, no, that's one of those fun places. I can't remember what it is, but they have a sign when you get into it that says, like, Tuberville, home of something, or, like, residents, like, 500 people. And you're like, what? Who the fuck lives here? <laughs> that's that one place. I always laugh at the fact that I know people from Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. What TR. A, what a embarrassing place to be from. The name literally implies that they never planned for it to be anything. <laughs> Uh, another uh, very funny comedian from South Carolina, uh, Andrew Cummins, I believe, from uh, TR. Oh. Traveler's Rest. Over by Greenville, over yonder, if, if you need some geographical help on where it is. Oh, I will say, you and Phil have mentioned Wayne Cousins for a while now. Surprised it was a white person, just the name really screamed black at me. Really? Yeah. And what about our friend Christian Williams? That's a white name. That's a black guy. <laughs> Well, I don't like this quiz, Adrian. I feel like it can only get problematic from here. And what about uh, Mordecai Crow? <laughs> That's your orc friend? That's a Korean dude. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, cut it, cut it, cut it. <laughs> should we, okay, should we talk more about small towns? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you go into a cute little downtown, you go into a little gift shop, you know, the little bell on the door rings you walk in there you kind of look around for a little while you know the cute little shop you know mm-hmm. that's my experience you don't buy with... anything but like no that's you... ridiculous why would you buy anything it's all yeah, bullshit it's still, in there still the same bullshit you get everywhere else <laughs> but it's more charming it's more charming no i was gonna say i don't know about you but i have uh driven across the country twice now and so you definitely stop by a lot of small towns when you're doing the you know, two and a half day drive across the entire United States. And uh, actually, there was one time where so I, I made the exact wrong decision each time when I left in late summer. Um, I took the southern route. So it was really hot and gross. And then when we left in winter, we, I was like, well, I want to take the different route. I want to like see new things. So we took the northern route and like lost so many hours because of roads that snowed over and iced over that you couldn't drive down. Um, but on the second go around. I did end up in a small little town in Wyoming that my friend spent a summer at working at a ranch. And so I actually found the coffee shop that she worked at and was able to get myself a little coffee. And luckily they had like little branded um, cardboard sleeves. So like I actually got a little souvenir. Aw. Mm-hmm. But very much a small town. That was in Wyoming. How uh, was there, uh, the mountains that's beautiful? Yeah, they are really nice. I'm not gonna lie. Really, very pretty. Nice. This great country of ours, sometimes you think about the people are crazy, but man, the land is beautiful. 
<laughs> we really gotta update that saying because the beer ain't good anymore. Not since Bud Light went trans. Mm-hmm. Who is the famous trans person that they put on the, um... I don't really know who it is. Everybody keeps talking about them like I'm supposed to know who they are. And I'm like, I know other famous (laughs) trans people that Well, they weren't going to do ContraPoints. (laughs) (laughs) They shut up. You know how much Bud Light I would buy bad ContraPoints on it. Oh, to to open the fridge and see Contra in there, I'd be like, ooh. That also seems like such a charming combination. And I know I'm like one of like 10 of her fans who's old enough to drink but i just think it would be a really fun combo that's all i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah i mean not to put down the person who is the spokesperson but yeah i, I really didn't know what she was famous for but you know hey, me either good but, on her get the bag uh i forgot to do this during media roundup there's this uh band uh that i put izzy on to actually called wednesday she didn't know about them uh i the think the show on netflix no, not the show. They're a band out of Asheville. Uh, they they just put out their new album. It's really great. Y'all should listen. Yeah, uh, Isabel was like, I don't even know who they are, but I love this new album now that you've showed me. What's it called? Hump Day. <laughs> no, 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 Adrian. That's very silly. Well, I I, I assume musicians can be silly. Small towns. Small towns. We haven't said anything about small towns. I just said that I drove across the country and saw a lot of them. Sometimes they're scary to stop at. I think um, I've said before that I've done the drive from Davis to Portland multiple times. And like once you get past. I mean, I mean, I don't know Once like I'm past Sacramento. It's just all kind of like I want to spend as little time in any of these places getting gas as possible. (laughs) Yeah, there's the two type of small towns. I feel like the ones I'm exposed to are usually like tourist traps because they're on the way to like. You know, like they're like blue, ma- like you know, little Switzerland in, uh, mm-hmm. on the Blue Ridge, and it's like they're meant for people to come through and stop at so they can get your tourist dollars. But then there's like the actually so out of the way and not on the way to anything good that you're never gonna see some scary small mm-hmm. towns. Uh, which I'm not saying that my fellow Americans are scary, but you know. Although I think we've talked about this before where you thought um, my my notion that um, when I used to do a lot of hiking right before I moved to California, so I was driving like, you know, I had all day. So I would like drive two hours one direction, and find a hiking spot somewhere in South Carolina. Uh, and there were multiple times where I'm like, I would pass like a, a real old school looking barbecue place. And I'd be like, man, that looks really good. I don't think I'd go there alone. And you were like, that's ridiculous. Well, you know, I wasn't really woke on these issues now, Adrian. I know I'm white passing. You're not. Uh, I know these things can be harder for you. I would have gone in there and I would have some delicious fried chicken, but, uh. At a barbecue place? If you're passing by, you know it's a barbecue place for sure, not just a soul food yeah, place. Yeah, because there's a big pig with an apron, like a <laughs> spatula, that, like, that's cut out at the beginning of the door, who's, like, smoking other pigs for some reason. It's a genocide of his own brother. <laughs> you know, I was kind of imagining a place like Sheely's in my mind, somewhere where, like, it's, like, more a soul food barbecue combo mm. because i guess that's the sort of like place you see in rural areas the ones with the big signs that are pigs having a good time at a barbecue i mean you find those in the big city i wouldn't be scared but i guess i see what you're saying like th- th- there might be a little bit more antagonism towards you they're always roughing me up and calling me city boy <laughs> I'm, like, I'm from gilbert and you know me i fit right in anywhere mm-hmm <laughs> you from the big city of Gilbert? Well, y'all got uh, a Dollar General out there, city boy. Get him! Oh, we do have a Dollar General out there now. 
what is it? Why is it that every small town has finished this bit for me? I don't know. I haven't done enough traveling. He has a pizza place not run by an Italian. Ooh, that honestly, for a first try, that's pretty fucking funny. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it that every small town has a Mexican restaurant run by Salvadorans? The, the Italian one, the pizza place run by non-Italians is definitely, like, a real example from Clemson <laughs> of Tony's Pizza. The Tony's, come on, now they even took the name. It was, like, out in the, like, it wasn't, it wasn't like in Clemson, surprise. it was, like, a couple miles out of Clemson, I swear to God, in the woods. Like, I would have never known about it if one day I wasn't driving to a random place and just mm-hmm. was, like, like, there's no other buildings, like, a mile both directions. Why is there a little hut called Tony's Pizza? I have to go here. <laughs> and? It was horrible. Ah, uh, Tony. Although they did How do, do they stay in business? They did do comically big pizzas, which I do like. Mm. Did I tell you about that time that I went to uh, Taqueria Jalisco in Sacramento? Um, it was right by a coffee shop. it was shop. El Salvadorians? No, I wish. Um... It was right by the coffee shop. I used to always get work done. Uh, and so I went there one day spontaneously. Uh, the guy asked me, he's like, hey, is this your first time here? And I was like, yeah, it is actually. And he was like, oh, all right, cool. We're going to get your order started. But just for right now, I'm going to give you a little side of rice and beans because they always say you can tell if it's a good taqueria based on their rice and beans. And I was like, thanks, man. Uh, and they weren't good. <laughs> and the taqueria wasn't good either. <laughs> and I was like, he was right. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Uh, he was nice and not wrong. But yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> Wait, wait, if that theory is to hold true, what we've proven is that bad rice and beans means bad taqueria. But we haven't proven if good rice and beans necessarily means good taqueria. Oh, you're right, you're right, that is very thorough. Yeah, let's be clear about what proof we have for what. Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. (laughs) My name's Paul. Oh my god, where'd you get that recording of me? (laughs) Um, I think we should go into columns. We've been yapping for a while. I feel like it's another one where we just don't really have much to say about small towns, but I mean, I kind of knew when we picked the uh, theme that I don't have much to say about small towns. Uh, oh, I, I will say one thing. One, one, one more thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there's a YouTube channel that I don't really love, but I do watch it if it comes up. It's one of those things where I think I watch, it's kind of like Ethan Klebowski. I watch pretty much every video they put out if I have time to, but I don't subscribe purposely because I'm like, I don't, you don't deserve my subscription. <laughs> um, but it's a commentary YouTube guy, like maybe like two steps below like a Danny Gonzalez or whatever. Um, but one of his best videos from last year was he lives in Fargo, North Dakota. So he just took like a couple weeks of his, of, of his month, uh, a couple days of his month to just attend, like, every small-town festival in, like, a 30-mile radius from where he lived. And, like, the trends of there's always a 5K, then there's always a pancake breakfast, and then there's always something more unique to the town that's, like, really cool where they do, like, stuff throughout the day. Um, and it was a very charming video, and I kind of agreed. He did a roundup of uh, all of his videos of the year, and he was like, that one's the one I'm most proud of. And I was like, yeah, that one was obviously the best. It, like, really showed off some, like, small-town charm. Yeah, I forget what it was. One time me and uh, my current roommate in college, we... Went to a nearby town to go to, like, a little, uh, it, it was, like, 30 minutes, maybe, like, 20 minutes out of Clemson. We went there because there was a, a little, uh, breakfast place we liked there, and when we got in, it was the Pumpkin Festival. 
And I, I, it wasn't something that was like super advertised to Clemson students. So we were like the only. No, they people. didn't want you yuppies there. Yeah, we were the only people not from that town there. It seemed like, and there was like actually like it was like one of those charming things where it felt like uh somehow they managed to retain some like German cultural heritage. So there was mm. like the girls like the uh teens were in like those big german like dresses and stuff for like some oh, competition all over those teens <laughs> don't be gross adrian i just thought it was charming <laughs> they were like in german clothes uh okay okay all right and yeah there was like all this different pumpkin stuff and there was like some good like food tents and there was like a little uh, like barbecue places from people locally set up tents mm-hmm. and stuff it was a it was it was kind of a great day yeah yeah that's the small towns we lack the old Peach Festival in Gilbert every 4th of July. There's a garlic festival somewhere near Sacramento. I've never gone. I think the second year I was here, it actually had a mass shooting, so I've never <laughs> wanted to go. But, you know, they're charming. Should we jump into calls? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we had a bit of a hoot with uh, Allison Green last time, so I figured we'd try and bring her in again. This is another Ask a Manager. And uh, this is the first time in a while that I think I've brought her in. I really like her uh, little banner art. If you uh, check out the link that we put in the description, it's kind of cute. I like the, what is it, like 70s style, 60s style? Yeah, uh, what do you call it? What's that show where uh, the Jeffersons? Jetsons. Not the Jeffersons. That's a different <laughs> That's a different show. Uh, okay, so this is, my boss and coworkers are constantly at my house. A reader writes, I need your help in reclaiming my home. I am an employee at a small concert at a small consulting company, my boss plus three employees. We all live in the same small town, and I often see my boss and co-workers at social functions around town. We each work from our homes, and there is no central office. I live in a very convenient location right downtown, and this has led to my house being used as the central location for the business. For example, my home functions as a place for people to exchange work materials and a place to meet up and park vehicles before working out of town. If my boss wants to meet in person, he invites himself to my house. He does Zoom calls for my house because I have better internet than he does. He also makes me store large pieces of equipment. When I pushed back against this, he said it's because I have a large house and garage while he lives in a small apartment. I had to train a new hire in my dining room, a five-day endeavor. One of my colleagues, who I considered a friend before she was hired here, has started imposing even more by asking me to make her coffee, asking to borrow clothes from me, and storing personal belongings (laughs) at my place when we go on work trips. She's also using my bathroom twice a day, a few days a week. When we meet at my house to start uh, to start at a day of work out of town, and when we get back after the work day to pick up her car. I am not a monster that will say no to her when nature calls. She arrives after a 45-minute drive from her house. This isn't her fault. It's my boss who has set up the situation that my home is the base for the staff members. But on other days when she works alone, she has asked if she could pop by throughout the day to use my washroom when she's driving around. I said no to that and suggested she use a local business. Not great for her. I wish I were more welcoming, but it forces me to hide my medications and do a quick cleanup before she gets there, which I'd rather not do. Plus, when she's in the house, she asks if she can have a cup of coffee. This all makes me feel self-conscious about my house, imposes on my privacy and my spouse's privacy, and makes me feel taken advantage of and even annoys my dogs. I have dealt with some of this by occasionally saying no or coming up with excuses such as my husband is napping, so he can't come over, or I ran out of of coffee filters, so let's meet at the cafe instead. (laughs) I also suggested that my boss rent a local co-working space, but he said it was too expensive. My boss and colleagues aren't getting the hint that I don't want my that I want my house to be off limits to them. Now I'm considering having a meeting with my boss to set up some boundaries. Ideally, I would not want anyone at my house anymore for any reason. I'm happy to have my home office where I complete my work, 
but I don't want my boss or colleagues to be at my house anymore, period. Not even for non-work reasons at this point. How do I graciously set this boundary without seeming rude or unwelcoming? This has been going on for about one and a half years. I've started job hunting, but in my small, isolated town, there are few opportunities. That's... I feel so bad for this person because I can see how that happens, and it's such an embarrassing, lame situation. Uh, Yeah, you gotta set boundaries. It would have taken me way less than one and a half years before writing into an advice column or doing something else. <laughs> yeah, this is a crazy amount of time to be the bigger person and just suck this up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love the coworker who's like, everybody else probably gets that they're being annoying to some amount, but it's convenient. So they're like, oh, if the mm-hmm. boss wants us to meet there, fine. Like, you know, like, yeah. I'll drop my car off there. And they probably get that it's a bit of an imposition on her, but I like the one employee who's completely oblivious and is just like, I got to take a big dookie and I don't want to do it in my home bathroom. Can I come over? I know you have like a little, you know, like the dookie pop station, like where we can all come take our dookies. <laughs> He got the bidet attachment on your... I mean, she specifically said they were friends before she got the job. So that's why she feels like she can impose like that. Okay. The other thing is that she drives 45 minutes away. How small is this town? <laughs> what kind of small town has a 45-minute commute to downtown? Uh, yeah, it's not that they live far away, Adrian. It's that the roads are in complete disrepair. You, you can mm, only drive true. five miles an hour on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would hate to have people in and out my house like that i think it's hard for me to give advice i guess it's easy to give advice because the advice is communicate but also it's hard for me to give advice because i don't think i ever would have let that first thing happen yeah i mean because i think i told you before that um this isn't exactly the same situation but i was scrambling around on a friday like two three weeks ago to figure out when my advisor or not my advisor the professor that i ta for could drop off the presents that she had for me and eventually it ended up to the point where she was like, oh, I'm actually an hour early. I can just go to your apartment if you give me the address. And I texted Tim and I was like, okay, change the plan. She's coming here. Uh, and he was like, should we clean up? And I was like, I would let her kill me before I let her see the state that we live in. <laughs> like, There's no way she's making it into this apartment. No, we don't need to tidy up before she gets here. <laughs> we don't have the 16 hours it would take to clean up this mess. Tin goes, do we need to tidy up? And you, you're already pouring gasoline and lighting a match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where it's funny because she seems like such a nice person that she's justifying why she finds this annoying by being like, let me just set out the reasons. Like, it's kind of annoying to have to clean. It's like, stop there. Stop. You're good, girl. Like, I'm on your side already. I don't care about your dogs or your sleepy husband or your medications. <laughs> I know, she keeps trying to sell me on this idea that this is annoying. It's like, no, this is annoying. You don't need to convince me with your five Mm -hmm. points of, like, why you don't want people in your house instead of your boss buying a co-working space. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how far into this situation the the training somebody in your kitchen for five days thing happened, but around that point was when you should have really piped up. Oh, having your boss come in to Zoom at your place because you have better internet. (laughs) And because you have the bidet attachment on your bathroom. (laughs) And then the people asking you to make them coffee. And I get what she's saying. It's like, who would ever say no to that? Like, if it was genuinely like a surprise occurrence that was Mm. like rare. And Mm -hmm. it's very hard to go from like, I've offered them coffee and to use my bathroom before when it was like something I saw it was like a random occurrence. But now that this is becoming a routine occurrence, how do I go from 
there's a difference between offering somebody coffee when they drop by my house to like having mm-hmm. to provide coffee as a service daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I can see how that it's like it. It's hard to tell people that you're transitioning from one zone to the other, but it is very different zones to be in. Do you think there's any opportunity at all for her to negotiate an, a raise based on keeping these services up? Ooh, yeah, she should pitch it as like, if I got a stock toilet paper <laughs> because of all mm-hmm. these massive dukes, <laughs> you mm-hmm. and all the other guys are taking and coffee filters <laughs> and all these coffee filters. I'm going to need 30 to 40,000 more a year. Yeah, exactly. Also, one of the things that I'm really worried about for this person and why they maybe need to find another job is um, I've been learning a little bit more about, about capitalism. Oh. <laughs> no, you know, I'm not reading Just Capital on my weekends. I've been learning a little bit more about business law in California. And a lot of things are like, hey, here's this really reasonable thing that applies to what your employer can and can't do. Doesn't apply to a company of 15 people or less. Oh. As soon as you become like a small, small business, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> it's like, God damn, all right. You're not allowed to be sexually harassed unless you're one of 10 employees, in which case the boss can go crazy. In which case, a honka honka, baby. <laughs> in which case, honka honka. <laughs> Get a little slappy on the ass here. <laughs> Talking about sexual harassment. Hey, Isabel, Tuts, can I get another drink? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, uh, Coke, a vodka Coke, please. The Paul signature. Oh, wait, can I actually get a uh, rum and Coke? Yeah. Thank you. That's called a Cuba Libre if you put a lime on there. If you put a lime on there, it's called a Cuba Libre. I just taught Adrian that. We went to Cuba together. The glasses aren't ruined. I didn't really want another drink. I wanted to make that joke. (laughs) Well, now you have to live with the consequences of your actions, buddy. Um, change your locks, honey. <laughs> change your locks. <laughs> Turn off the lights anytime they come over and crouch mm-hmm. below the window so mm-hmm. they can't see your silhouette. Is there a squatter's right thing where, like, if someone stores their equipment in your garage long enough, it technically becomes yours? Can you really like blow things up on your way out? <laughs> but it's like something you would never need, like some industrial piece of machinery. Yeah, they didn't really explain what they do. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, like a delivery company, but maybe? also <laughs> I don't it's know. It was Express. a really confusing company where people are coming and going constantly, but also it's a local company without a headquarters. And they're going out of town and they're zooming and they're keeping equipment. Um, how often have you done that thing where you blame not wanting to have someone over on the person who lives with you? Oh, all the time. Why would you not do that all the... Th- that seems like the perfect answer to this situation. Wow, you don't think... You don't... You don't th- I feel like for some reason I thought in an almost Justonian way that you'd have like a weird code of ethics around demonizing another person like that for your own gain. Demonizing? Well, that's what it feels like for me because I think my story is that, uh, you know, Patrick's girlfriend, I think I've said this before on the podcast, li- lived with us for our entire freshman year. And so every time uh, Patrick's uh, parents would be in town and they'd want to come up to the dorm, Patrick would just be like, oh, Adrian's got a girl up there right now. We can't go up there. <laughs> that rocks. Well, that does <laughs> so sound- they were like, first of all, Adrian's a fucking it- horn dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I see what you mean there because it's like different in that sort of dynamic. Also, you kind of knew them, I assume, at some degree. <laughs> but that is funny. Yeah, Charles was cool. 
Every time I saw Charles, he would dap me up and be like, my man, different girl every time. Patrick keeps telling us. He was like an Indonesian girl. Uh, you want to hear the answer? Let's hear it. Oh, wait. Should we give advice? Uh, what was the question? Move, honey. <laughs> get a new job. Yeah, I think what you said. Get a, get a new job while also stealing some equipment on your way out that they leave in your mm-hmm. garage. All right. Cool. Yeah, this is way too much. If it were just your coworker using your bathroom before heading out on a long drive together or, or someone occasionally picking up materials, I doubt it would bother you as much. But there are so many boundary violations happening that I can see why you want to put a stop to all of it. It's not reasonable for your boss to assume your house can function as a central as a central office hub. It's not reasonable for him to assume everyone can park their cars there or you'll store or you'll store equipment there or hold a 5-day training session there. It might be reasonable for him to ask once, politely, but if he said no, or even sounded un- unenthusiastic, he needed to back off and pay for actual space, like most businesses do. Speaking of paying, I assume you're not getting compensated for any of these cost savings you're providing. Your coworker is also crossing boundaries, borrowing clothes and asking to drop in to use your bathroom on days when they're not working when you're not working together. But I suspect that stuff is complicated by the fact that you were friends before you worked together. Those are all things one might reasonably ask of a good friend, and she likely sees it through that lens instead of a coworker one. As for how to handle it, you have two options. You can be very direct, or you can come up with an excuse. The direct option would be saying something like this to your boss. We've been using my house as a central hub, and I need to let you know I won't be able to do that anymore after this month. Give a time period so he has time to come up with another solution. It's not working for me and my husband to have people come here so frequently during the day or storing company equipment in our space. Going forward, we'll need to do meetings somewhere else, or virtually, if that's not possible. And I need you to move the XYZ so we can regain use of that space. If he pushes back and cites your large house, you can say, we need that space for our things and can no longer loan it to the company. I'm giving you a month's notice so that you have time to rent a storage space or find another solution. If the date you gave him approaches and there's no indication of movement, at that point, I just make up a conflict that he's more likely to respect. Like... We have furniture arriving on the 15th that will need to go in that room, so it might be gone before then. If I don't hear a different plan from you by Friday, I'm going to need to have it shipped to you since it can't stay here any longer. It sucks to have to devise such an excuse, but if you won't respect the request without one, then it's the most practical option to reclaim your home. Speaking of which, it's possible this will all go over better if you have a reason beyond this is just my house and I want to reclaim it. To be clear, this is my house and I want to reclaim it should be enough. But realistically, some people will push back less if you give them an excuse they understand. Uh, You have a really good one in the form of your husband, and I'm a strong believer that being able to throw each other under the bus when needed with each other's permission is one of the benefits of marriage. So maybe your husband objects to all the comings and goings and asks you to stop it, and maybe, or maybe his job is cracking down on confidentiality and says he can't have visitors in the house while he's working, or maybe he's now working the night shift and can't have visitors at your house at all because he's sleeping. If you didn't have another person living there, you'd have to get more creative. Maybe neighbors are complaining about your or your homeowner's insurance threatened to cancel your policy if you're found to be conducting conducting business there, so on and so on. Again, it's ridiculous to have to use a cover story. It may also make your life easier if you do, though. Judge based on what you know about your boss and your coworkers. Speaking of coworkers, you're going to need to do some boundary setting there, too. It's pretty hard to deny someone the use of a toilet after a 45-minute drive. So if you really don't want your coworker using your bathroom, you're better off meeting in a public place on the days that you're driving together. Beyond that, you can just say no when she calls from the road, asking to use your bathroom. Sorry, not a good day for it, or I'm swamped and I can't have visitors, or ask for coffee. I don't have time today. We'll catch up later. But... It might be easier to have a a forthright conversation about it, especially since you're friends. I started to feel like my house belongs to the company, and I'm going to be setting better boundaries, which means not letting anyone drop by to use the bathroom or grab coffee or do meetings here. 
One really important thing. You wrote that you don't want to seem rude or unwelcoming, but it's not rude to want your house to be your private territory, and it's okay to not be welcoming when your company and colleagues are violating your very sensible boundaries. Of course, you want to maintain warm relationships with people, but saying my house can't be our office isn't chilly and shouldn't be relationship killing. It's a really normal and reasonable boundary to assert. There's often a bit of awkwardness or unhappiness when someone asserts a boundary that they hadn't been previously asserting. But reasonable people, even partway reasonable people, will adjust pretty quickly. Make sure you're really clear on that in your head, because the more of your tone and attitude convey, of course you will understand and respect this very reasonable thing I'm saying because you know you are a reasonable person, the more likely they are to respond that way. All right, you want me to sum up the update too? Uh, yeah. How often? I guess she always has updates. Da, 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 da. Okay, here's the update. Okay, so here seems to be the thing. She went on vacation, and during the time that that happened, and before she saw her response to the letter, uh, a bunch of things happened. Uh, the boss got high-speed internet in his neighborhood, so he stopped using her house. He conveniently let her know that they have a company storage unit, and she used Allison's script to talk to her coworker, and she said that it makes sense, and so they met at a coffee shop with no drama. Uh, she had no direct conversation with her boss, but it was resolved after he didn't need to use her internet anymore. First, my boss is not malicious. He's just clueless about boundaries. My coworker is also not malicious, but just doesn't understand basic human relationship dynamics. Uh, and then also, I am not heavily going to go into the job front because I have a medical issue and don't have the energy to do a serious job hunt. Uh, I thought I'd leave the readers with another fun tidbit. Despite having finally, finally rid my house of my boss and coworker, my boss's daily walk walking route takes him past my house every morning so every morning as i sip my coffee he waves at me as he walks by well not much you can do about that but like does that person live in the dragon tales universe how does everything get wrapped up so nicely in the span of two weeks from sending a letter yeah turns out that was all right all right well uh good for her i guess i yeah answer was as uh competent as always shout out to allison all right, Adrian, I brought in a column by Slate's Karen Feeding about small towns. Small town. Karen Feeding is their childhood advice column, their parenting advice column. Mm-hmm. Dear Karen Feeding, we moved to a small town from a larger city a few years ago. We wanted a safer, quieter, and less stressful environment for our kids to grow up in. We have two children ages 9 and 14. For me, making friends here has been next to impossible, but I've accepted it. My kids seem to get along with everyone at school, get good grades, and never have issues. But they never get invited to parties or playdates or anything outside of school. I even threw a birthday party one year for my youngest and invited his whole class. Only one child out of 21 showed up. I volunteered to help with class parties at school and I'm involved with their sports and such in hopes to meet some other parents, but everybody's really standoffish and keeps to themselves. The parents I have talked to and hit it off with always decline playdates or tell me to find them on Facebook, but never accept my friend request. We have a nice and clean house. My kids are well-behaved and very polite. We are in no way troublemakers or anything of the sort. I honestly do not understand what the problem is. I hate seeing my kids not having any real friends here, and I'm afraid it's going to always be this way. Will we, will we just always be considered outsiders? Is this just how small towns are? What can should I do? Lonely from Texas. Hmm. It seems like both the parents and kids aren't making friends. Yeah. 
I think I brought this in because it cracked me up. The idea of just like some city slicker who's like, it's ideally in a small town and going there and realizing, oh no, small towns are fundamentally conservative organizations and kind of being spirited. Mm. Like this idea that small towns are full of nice people who are just, that's where real America is, you know? It's like, you go out there and you're like, oh wait, mm. these are all a bunch of hard-headed bigots. I thought you thought it was funny because the reason that she was like, it can't be because of us, because we have a clean house and we're not troublemakers. <laughs> yeah, that too. It's like, are you a minority of any sort? Mm. That could also be the problem. <laughs> oh, so you're going straight to the, the, this is just a racist town. That or I guess they are in Texas. maybe it's like <laughs> they the question writer forgot to include that they're uh, uh, gay parents. Ooh, okay. Could, could this have any bearing on this issue? Uh, we are two lesbians. Interracial. We One are of us is in a wheelchair. Okay. I feel like I didn't really take this with the same kind of mean spirit that you did, but you could be right. You think it's just like a uh, a standoffish town? It's not that they're kind of like an evil town? I mean, I think that there could also just be class dynamics to it, right? It could just be, you know, rich old city slickers trying to retire and find a nice place to raise their kids in, the, in their little small town that's cheap to live in. Oh, and it comes off really obvious that it's kind of this condescending, like, you folk, you guys are real folks out here. You don't drink wine. Mm -hmm. You drink a lot of beer. We don't understand that. We, of course, only have the finest Chardonnay at our new country mansion that we purchased out here. It's a clean house and they don't make trouble. Do you have any, so one of the things that really resonated or uh, really stood out to me is, uh, do you have any stories about invites to a party that ended up being really sad with turnout? I do, and I almost don't want to tell them on pod because they bummed me out, man. Oh, really? Were they about you or were they friends of yours? Friends. Yeah, I had a, it wasn't really a friend of mine, but it was the uh, one like very weird nerdy anime girl who used to dress up in cosplay to go to school who was in IB with me. And she invited all of the people in our like 12 person uh you know high school program to go to her birthday party uh and none of us showed up and our english teacher like i think she like missed the next day of school or something but the next time that she wasn't there she made sure to remind us that we got invited to that and that none of us went and that we were all assholes <laughs> that is very beta y'all i just forgot i think i had, I had other plans i didn't dislike her i wouldn't have gone because it would have been boring but in middle school we had a we had a Secret Santa gift exchange, and I got who you're talking about, and I remember getting her a book of, uh, I just going to Books a Million Beak, like, she likes anime, and picking a random one out of the shelf, I was like, this manga, there you go. and I checked, and I was like, oh, it's volume three, so then I picked out volume one, and that was mm. what I got her. Nice. Um, that was my French class gift exchange. I, I remember oh, thinking yeah, she, she was a French person. I, I remember thinking she was... I was like, I want to get her something she likes. She seems sweet, even though I've never really talked to her. I got her for Secret Santa one time in high school, and I got her uh, uh, 20-sided dice earrings. Oh. I don't think she ever wore them. Do, do you think she ever felt very stereotyped by these Secret Santa? She's like, nobody oh, asked. Was I going to get her something I knew she liked? I was going to get her a, a choker with a cat bell on it? No, <laughs> I'm not going to get that for her. What are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, nobody asks about my interest in classical music. All anybody cares about is my D. <laughs> Everyone just gives me dragon dildos. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if I'd gotten you, Paul, I would have gotten you a dragon dildo, too. I kind of just wanted to buy one. <laughs> well, yeah, if you go to Kmart, it's the perfect place to buy them. They don't ask questions. <laughs> they, don't ask any qu they don't ask you any questions if you go to Kmart to buy a dragon dildos. <laughs>
At Trader Joe's, they're all, oh, what do you use this for? <laughs> At Trader Joe's, they're like, how's your weekend? What are you up to? <laughs> I see you got big plans. <laughs> and you're like, it's a gift. All right, so should these parents Although, move back to the... That, I mean, it does make it feel like it has to be more targeted, right? That, like, especially with 9 and 14, maybe with 14, they're old enough that those kids can make a choice that they don't want to come to your place and Mm -hmm. it can be like more a social dynamic but at nine years old like at that age if this class gets an invite a bunch of parents bring their kids over like yeah i don't i I remember my birthday party dump my kid off with someone else's yeah i remember they were popping as a kid and i definitely wasn't like a cool kid in the class but we still oh come on now you know you had one girl on each arm (laughs) because you had those pool parties people love to pool party in the summer that makes it feel like the town is targeting this guy, right? Because it's like, at nine years old, everybody takes their kids to these parts. Like, they have to specifically be making a conscious parent decision to not bring their kids to these parties. Yeah, it also sounds like he's not getting invited to their parties either. Yeah, why do they hate him so much? Or them, I'm not really sure. If I'm not even going to lie, dad it doesn't mom. seem like something where you, it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like something where you fix this and suddenly everything's better. No, there's really no solution to this other than... This feels like it, it would have solved itself, yeah. <laughs> Find me on Facebook. I'm just never going to accept the friend request. Ooh, that one does hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. It feels like the solution is go back a couple years in time and don't make the dumb decision to move somewhere because you have a little house on the prairie fantasy that's clearly never going to be met by reality. Is that clearly stated that that's what they were going for? That's what they said. Safer, quieter, and less stressful environment for our kids to grow up in. Oh, so I guess I can see why they focus more on the kids not having friends than them not having friends, since it seems to be all about the kiddos. I mean, fucking raise them in the city. How many fucking famous people were raised in the backwoods? What, Elvis? First off, maybe it's quieter. Maybe it's safer as much far as, like, crimes per capita. Less stressful, I don't know. Are they less stressed right now with their zero friends than they would have been in the city? That's true. I don't know. Which would you rather have? Would you rather have uh, where the red fern grows as your childhood or boys in the hood? Am I allowed to have a Friday-style childhood? Am I allowed to have a Slumdog Millionaire-style childhood where they blind me so that I'll sing better? That wasn't the main character, though. No. But it was his homies. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, you want to hear the answer? Sure, if you gotta. As an ambivalent alumni of Moore, Oklahoma... Where our mega churches have signs on the door suggesting no open carry, I feel your pain. Yes, small towns can be incredibly insular, and yes, you probably will always be considered outsiders to some extent. Gaijin. That's the thing about small towns is they're really big on their Gaijin aesthetic. <laughs> when everybody has known everybody forever, they can be slow to warm when up you're, to newcomers. When you're in Little Rock, Oklahoma, and he's like, why do they keep calling me Gaijin? What does that mean? <laughs> Well, we don't really have an English equivalent, but it's like a little bit like foreigner, but also outsider and alien all kind of mixed together. You really have a word for it. <laughs> they call me Gaijin Gringo. It's just like, what are they doing? Mixing cultures out here? <laughs> That's why I'm making taco sushi. I'm going to be a Gaijin that opens up a taco <laughs> sushi spot in their place. Rest in peace, taco sushi. Uh, my brother's friend used to work there. Shout out, Henry. I don't actually have really strong opinions or, like, love of that place. It really was, like, a half of our menu is tacos, half of our menus is sushi. 
I do it wasn't a real fusion only place. because it was the first time I'd ever kind of heard of that fusion idea as a child. And I was like, mm. what? In the big city? Next to a, attached to a gay bar? <laughs> now that's a fusion restaurant. <laughs> I really, I was so impressed as a child. I really thought that was the coolest thing ever. Come to know, a short 10 years later, I would think that that idea was incredibly corny. How we all grew up. Wow. The way you grew up, yeah. To be a bitter, bitter man. Additionally, many small towns can be myopic, and people sometimes hold extremely conservative values. This is one reason that safer for some doesn't mean safer to all. Ooh. It's possible that something that seems harmless to you has actually scandalized the community to the extent that you have trouble being included. Like, I don't know, you have a prominent tattoo or don't attend church? Honestly, if it's your thing, attending church would probably help. That said, small towns and even conservative areas are not a monolith. There are always people who share your values and hold common interests. The trick is finding them. If getting involved in school activities isn't bearing fruit, try volunteering elsewhere or getting involved with community organizations. If all else fails, get in the car. For me and many others who didn't fit in in their small towns, driving to nearby cities and larger towns for social activities was worth the cost of gas. Shout out to my parents for driving me and picking me up from nearby college towns, open mic poetry night every week when I was 13 so I could hang out with other bookish weirdos. Mm. Sometimes you just gotta get into your car and drive towards the sunset. Alright, uh, Adrian, would you like to go into our third segment? Sure. Alright, so the idea of this third segment is called Michelin Stars, uh, based off the uh, classic Michelin star system. Mm-hmm. Adrian, are you are you aware of this? I mean, everybody knows that famous restaurants can get starred by Michelin. <laughs> by Michelin. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to stop that now. They can be starred by Michelin. Okay, right. One, two, or three stars. Uh, do you know what those stars represent? Yes. Uh, like it? Love it? <laughs> gotta have it! In one sense, yes. But in another sense, that's completely wrong. Completely. What they actually represent is one stars. A very good restaurant in this category, two stars, excellent cooking, worth a detour, and three stars, exceptional cuisine, worth a special journey. Mm. So, our theme this episode was small towns. And what do small towns have? They have tourism opportunities by building a roadside attraction. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've collected a list of quirky roadside attractions... And I want you to rate them on the Michelin star category. Of course, you haven't been to these places, so you're going to rate them on one star, a very good roadside attraction, two stars, Mm -hmm. excellent roadside attraction, worth a detour, three stars, exceptional roadside attraction, worth a special journey. Could we do like a four star, five star too? No. We're doing the Michelin star system. One, two, or three, or zero stars. Four stars be like worth an international trip? And five stars would be, like, worth figuring out if if you were in a parallel universe where that didn't exist, figuring out the jumping technology from everything everywhere all at once to get into that universe where it does exist so you can go visit it. Adrian, no, you're not smarter than the Michelin people. You think you're smarter <sighs> than the big poofy tire the guy? guy made of tires? I don't think he's poofy. Tires are rubbery. <laughs> well, he's poofy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's pretty poofy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a soft boy. You wouldn't make it in the big city, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I think if you're getting poked from the beginning, getting pressed. 
All right, Adrian, first up on the Michelin star small town how many, quiz. How many are we doing? Um, in Leroy, New York. Can you York. give me... No. I was going to say, can you give me the attraction and I'll guess where it is? Okay. New York. <laughs> no. Lucy's the Elephant, a general... A national historical landmark and the world's greatest elephant. This hotel turned tourist attraction as a local favorite. And here's a photo of it. It's like an elephant and you can stay inside the elephant. It's a hotel. Oh. I'm going to guess that's in New Jersey. What city in New Jersey? I don't know. Montclair? No, I'm sorry. It's in Margaret City, New Jersey. Uh, I don't think I have to guess the town. I'm not going to know these towns. Uh, one star, two star, or three star? If I'm with my mom, two stars. On my own, one star. Okay, so only if you're passing through Margaret, Margate City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my mom, her favorite thing is elephants, so uh, she would probably want to stay there. I mean, it does look funny. It only looks like it has like three or four rooms. There's something kind of charming say, I about I can't that. imagine. How many rooms can you fit into an elephant? I mean, he's big, but it's not like a cruise ship. Now, imagine a rock monster, Adrian. That's what they have in this city. It's called Miles the Monster. You might actually be on your way to see a race at Dover International Speedway, but why not wave to the monster while you're there? And it looks like a giant rock monster, and in his hand is a car. Is this uh on the way to Detroit? Somewhere in Michigan? No, it's in Delaware. Ah, uh, okay. Can I go zero star? He's ugly. Oh, okay. You wouldn't you wouldn't want to see him at all. You'd see the picture and you'd be like, I'm not stopping for that. I feel like I got the gist. Okay, next up we have three different plays on Stonehenge. Mm. Do you want to guess what materials people have made Stonehenge out of? You already told me Lego isn't one of them. Okay. That is a big clue. I'm gonna guess straw, mattresses, and Pez candies. Okay, so w- none of those were correct. E- we have number one, we have Foamhenge. I'm just going to tell you the city. In Natural Bridge, Virginia. Yeah, and it's Stonehenge made out of foam, but it's been painted to look like rocks mm. in Virginia. then uh, Zero stars. Then we have Carhenge. Uh, do you want to guess what city that's in? Detroit. <laughs> Alliance, Delaware. Nebraska. Ah, uh, zero stars. <laughs> just wait the city is what <laughs> <laughs> no 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 the, the attraction uh 39 used cars painted gray recreating stonehenge and then bama henge do you want to guess what <laughs> state that said is that one in tuscaloosa in alabama <laughs> it is in alabama in alberta but with an el mm. and it's just made out of fiberglass it's just as accurate as they could get it they didn't have a special material <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I feel like I wasn't going to get that one, but all right. Next up, we have the uh, Jello Gallery and Museum. Fans of the jiggly wiggly, essentially American dessert, can be wowed by the outlandish flavors, interesting molds, fun recipes, and fascinating history that have come from more than a century of feeding fun at the Jello Gallery and Museum. Ooh. That feels like a northeastern state. Is that in like Massachusetts? No, that's in Leroy, New York. Oh, I was going to guess New York. God damn it. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't particularly like Jell-O, but if I was there, I'd stop by. 
One star, then? Cool. One star. Oh, One star. Th- how did you feel about the fact that even from what I told you, those weren't all the Stonehenges in America? D- do you think, like, Stonehenge is something we need to recreate that often? I mean, we have our own Eiffel Tower. We have our own Pyramid of Giza. Might as well get a Stonehenge. Small town attractions. Wait, next- no. Never mind. Go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say that they're all natural wonders, but obviously the Eiffel Tower isn't a natural wonder of the world. <laughs> you know, something I learned recently was that before the Eiffel Tower, the largest man-made structures in history were the dick. pyramids of Giza. Oh, okay. That's crazy. It took us still up to the Eiffel Tower, but... Hmm. Okay, we have the unclaimed baggage center. Uh, it's got to be somewhere in Georgia. Scottsboro, Alabama. Ah, I knew it was somewhere around there. With more than a million visitors every year, this treasure trove contains items that have been packed away in suitcases and never claimed at airports. Do you get to take things? Yeah, you can buy them. Oh, wait, really? It's just like a... Wait, that goes hard as hell. I'd go. I'd do two to three stars on that. You would go out of your way. Yeah, Ben has talked about this. He's been there before, and I tried to get Izzy to stop there on her drive from Texas. You you tried to have someone who was already soloing a trip make an extra stop to go somewhere else because you refused to help her? <laughs> to yeah. see something that you thought um, was interesting? Yeah, you got it, champ. Um, next up, we have the world's largest chest of drawers. This might uh, seem pretty I mean, lame, but if you're okay, yeah, near that, you the oversized chest of drawers, you'll also happen to be one of the best parts of the world for buying furniture. Because the drawers are cheaper? No, because it's like in a town. Is it, is it, is it an indication for, for a store? Oh, that sounds like Pennsylvania. That sounds like Amish country. I'm sorry to break it to you. That's High Point, North Carolina. Oh, really? Who's making good furniture in North CAC? High Point. Mm, I guess that is their half point. Um, I don't need good furniture like that. I prefer to thrift it. Although it is a cool drawer. It'd be good for a photo op. I'm going to give that a one. Okay, if you're passing by. The UFO Welcome Center. Built in Jody Pender... Nevada. In Jody Pender Vista's backyard, this flying saucer is meant for locals on Earth to welcome our extraterrestrial friends. Pentervis claims to be able to talk to them. Nevada, Arizona. Um, that's in Bowman, South Carolina. What? How far is that from Columbia? I don't know, man. That's it. Doesn't say it in this article. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Hold on. How do you? How do you? How do you spell the name? B O W, man. Do, 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 do. Okay. Directions. Okay. Not from my home. Let's do from Gilbert. It's it's not that great. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's what it, it looks pretty tidy. Hey, come on. It's an it's an hour and nine minutes from. Wait. From Columbia? Wait, hold on. Oh, you have to go through Columbia to get there. So it's actually closer to Columbia. Hold on. That should take off like 40 minutes from it, so... It's an hour from Columbia. I would go there. Um... One and a half star. Wait, you can't half star the Michelin system. Yeah, you can. Plus, it's right next to Seven Flowers, China King, and Gaines Ministop. And a separate UFO welcome center. I didn't realize that they were separate things. Oh, wait, no. I just looked up the town. So. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. Four stars. South CAC represent. 
Oh, it's also very close to a Dollar General, and you know I need to get some things from there. So. <laughs> you know I need some, some you know weird I need a, deodorant. A foam pool noodle in a, in a hula hoop. You know I need some deodorant, a foam pool noodle, and a pack of cards. Mm-hmm. And a three-pack of Bud Light. Uh, the Peachoid, a strangely much-loved water tower made in the shape of a giant peach. This iconic landmark is near the border between blank and blank and has spawned decades of dad jokes about buttocks. That can't be from Gaffney, South Carolina, between South Carolina and North Carolina, could it be? And why, Adrian, let me tell you, yes, it is. You see, you can see it from the interstate, so honestly, there's no reason to stop there. Like, it's really something that, like, if it's on the way. So, one star. But south of the border with 120 very- that's also in south carolina <laughs> North Carolina. you're just telling me places that i know uh, south of the border seems way more involved than some of these though like some of them seem like hey look at this rock dude on the road and it's like this one's like hey stop and get some fucking tacos and margaritas weirdly enough the way they describe it is 120 pun-based billboards Mm. This gimmickry, this gimmicky favorite is most often visited by road tripping northerners. Ooh, world's largest ball of twine. That seems like a Nebraska thing, maybe Arkansas. Cocker City, Kansas. Oh, that would have been my third one in my list of those kind of states. So apparently, there's a couple cities that have competed for it, but but Cocker City has actually won the official world's largest ball of twine. As an engineer, what's the actual limit to how big you can make a ball of twine? <laughs> uh, we, we don't really have the equations for that. So it's, it's not just materials? It's not just who has more <laughs> twine that they can devote to this? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you obviously have to worry about the tensile strength. So yeah. No, you're right. I think mm. it might just be whoever has more twine. It also is not big enough that it feels like they're at their limit yet. Like, they could definitely add more twine. What are you talking about? The world... Did I rate that one? One star. What was it? You rated... One star. Really? I don't think I would stop at all. That's interesting. You would stop at that town to see it. I'd I'd set it on fire. (laughs) And for a very short amount of time, have the record for world's largest ball of twine on fire. Mm Mm-hmm. The best records burn the brightest. World's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things. <laughs> okay, it's a pretty clever state that came up with this. <laughs> world's largest collection of the smallest versions of the largest things? Yes. Weird, it's just a big collection about my dick. So they have versions of things like the world's largest ball of twine, but made really tiny. <laughs> I don't know why, but this feels like it's supposed to be at Midpoint America. Like, it should be in, like, Oklahoma. Is that your guess? Yeah. No, it's in Kansas, dumbass. Fucking hey, Come on. Fuck me and my big ol' ass. I mean, two stars. It seems, it kind of it seems kind of funny. Salem Sioux. It's a big cow. The world's largest fiberglass cow, in fact. Wisconsin? Oh, that is a big-ass Bessie. Did you see the human next to it for... For scale? No, I saw the quarter next to it. Yeah, it's a big-ass cow. Um, what was your guess? Wisconsin. Salem, New Salem, North Dakota. Ah. Um, it looks like you have to get out of your car to actually see it, or can you see it from the road? It doesn't mention. 
I'd give it two stars. I'd go out of my way just to see that for a second. Garden of 1,000 Buddhas. It doesn't get more peaceful than a gorgeous garden in the middle of the Montana wilderness. Oh. <laughs> Montana. <laughs> you got it, champ. Home to many retreats and festivals. It's a pilgrimage destination for the Western Hemisphere. Oh, wow. There's a thousand of them things? Yeah. Yeah, I would say three stars. That looks cool. Yeah, that actually seems like a very legitimate, like, wow, cool. Glad that's mm-hmm. in America. I'm glad we stole that from the people of their native land. I'm sure we built them here. Uh, world's largest beagle. Isn't it a dog? Have you ever hoped to sleep inside a dog-themed inn? Have you ever hoped to sleep inside a dog-themed inn? When you're roaming blank, you'll have your chance. So this is another large thing that's also a hotel you can stay in. Uh, I'm going to say California one star. Oh. Nuclear Waste Adventure Trail and Museum. No, really. You read that right. If you're hoping to get superpowers from a waste dump, this mound hides 1.48 million cubic yards of waste, of nuclear waste. That can't be okay. Is that in Nevada? It's in Weldon Springs, Missouri. (sighs) Yeah, it's other in Missouri. Although it does kind of look like a cool park. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to walk there. It looks very... uh, Road Is that to safe nowhere. to walk through? I assume so. I assume it's way below you. Mm. Beer Can House. Tucked into a fairly suburban sprawl is a folk art masterpiece, a house covered in beer can parts and art. Created by John Milkovich, a retired upholsterer, and the house is a fun drive-by. Oh, you're going to a drive-by? Pennsylvania. Houston, Texas. Uh, let me see it. Wait, Izzy, do you know about this place? What? The Beer Can House in Houston, yeah. Texas? Oh, okay, so the locals know about it. What, is, uh, what does Izzy say about it? Is it worth going to? Yeah, it's like on the things of the cheap things to do in Houston. Go look at this house. It's like on those lists. Cheap things to do in Houston. Go look at a fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. It's a miserable city. That, that is probably <laughs> worth doing. <laughs> okay, two stars then. Houston is a miserable city, yeah. Oh, and that was our last one. So do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Big fact. When it comes to small towns, sometimes they have big hearts. Mm. No cap. Uh, If you want to do a road trip across America, it's not a bad way to do a cheap vacation. Not a bad way at all. Bye. Bye. Do, 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 do.